All right, guys. My name is Dr. Shornell Wolverton Sihan. Welcome to the show. We are very, very happy to have you guys with us today. And um, we're also here with Craig Walker, of course, my co-host. How are you doing, Craig? I'm okay. If I'm a little bit sniffly, a little bit chesty, it's because I've been fighting this uh, horrible virus going around. So if I'm paused, I'm probably coughing. So yeah, bear with me. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, we're glad to have you. And we have a very interesting topic and an interesting guest here with us. Um, as you can see, or maybe not see, I should say, she's um, just pointing the camera in, in space right now or against a wall or whatever. I'll have Craig explain that a little bit. But her name is Dr. Melba Ketchum. And we are discussing forensics regarding the Nephilim which is quite an interesting topic. I actually found out about this um, through my dear friend, Dr. Alvin. Um, he is a chiropractor who saw our show about Bigfoot. And um, basically he was like, I've been talking to this lady. You have to really, you, you got to have her on. He works a lot with animals and um, lots of different things. But before we get started, just want to remind everybody, we do have our members meeting um, we're really excited about this one too. If you decide to be a member with us, the link is in the description. Um, we're working on the dates for this month and, uh, it's a really going to be an interesting topic too on this one. Uh, it's, we did a poll and I can't say it on here what it is because of like compliance, but, uh, you're going to want to hear that one. Uh, also, don't forget to go to the newsletter. You can get to SwiftFire.org and jump on the newsletter. That way you know all of the great things coming up and all the guests. Definitely hit subscribe. Definitely um, do all the great things that help us with algorithm, whether it's uh, a comment or a like or whatever. Appreciate all of those, uh, all of that support and your membership really does help. Help us to just keep doing this. Um, but without further ado, Craig, I'm going to have you introduce it can explain the blank screen and then yes. we'll get right into it. So yeah, obviously it's great to have you, uh, Dr. Melba. Um, Thank you. I'm only just hearing about you now, so I'm really interested to get into this. We love all things weird and wonderful on this show. Um, but <laughs> why, uh, just, just explain why you're not showing your face. We were talking about this uh, off camera before, but go on, uh, explain why you don't want to show your face. For security purposes, um, I mean, Things have been rough over the years with threats and what have you. And uh, at one point I was going to speak at a conference and they actually blew up a pot, pipe bomb. And so I just, it's not worth it to me <laughs> to right. show my face. Fair enough. Wow. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Well, without any, um, for, I think that we'll just jump right in. Um, speaking of, threats and all of that. Uh, we're talking about Nephilim, Bigfoot, Dogmen, Mermaids, forensics of all of this stuff. Um, how in the world, Dr. Melba, how did you get involved with all this? All right, we want to know. Well, I really didn't want to get involved with it. Um, our lab, a genetics lab, um, would do species identification on various um well, whatever anybody sent in and wanted tested. And every year we get a Bigfoot sample or two and we'd all laugh because it always was either a raccoon or something. It was always a common animal. And one year we actually got a couple of samples sent in. They were from eyewitness sightings 
or one was eyewitness, the other was lots of evidence like footprints and wire being torn open to the birdcage and whatever it was set in the birdcage and plucked the peacocks and then took them out to eat them, I guess. Anyway, those samples suddenly came back with something entirely unexpected, and that was the, the test we use of mitochondrial DNA test using universal primers, which is, tests all mammals, to tell you what species it is. And we ran it on this test, and we got human, but the hair was like horse mane hair. It was short, fairly short in this case, and wavy. And no way it was human hair. I was like, oh, come on. You know, it's got to be contamination or something. So we spent a while, you know, we changed out all the reagents, and we did it several times and kept getting this. So finally, that was intriguing enough. And about the same time happened. We were on Destination Truth uh, doing some unknown samples for them. And when that showed, suddenly we were deluged with Bigfoot samples. And so we ended up with over 100 samples. And they all had similar hair morphology. And they all similar had uh, were tested with <laughs> human DNA sequence. So this was something that was shouldn't be. And obviously it was intriguing because we found something that had never existed before. And, you know, our one lab I didn't feel was adequate because, you know, they keep saying, oh, well, extraordinary claims require, you know, all this extraordinary proof, of course. So what I did, I assembled a team of scientists that were very good. And we outsourced all the testing after the preliminaries because that way we used 12 different labs and by doing that and we did not tell them what they were testing mm. we got unbiased data uh, some of it was double blind we you know like i say blind testing is you don't tell them what you're what they're doing they just test it so in some cases we'd send the same sample more than once just to confirm it all confirmed and uh, what was interesting pretty quick off of the bat was one of the the good accredited labs we used was um a lab that was um pretty well known for dna sequencing and they had we had requested a particular them to design universal universal meaning it'll test any mammal um we ask them to design these primers and run a particular gene sequence. And when they did, I get this email and it says, look, we, we did this and we got a beautiful sequence. There's no flaws in it. We can even see the primers on both ends. But the sample, it was a hundred bases shorter. That's, that's individual pieces of DNA, each little ba base pair. Um, is a nucleic acid. So there's, you know, billions and billions of these things. But this particular sequence, uh, they, and they, this is called a blast. Um, the government has a database called GenBank. Mm -hmm. And you can search it to see what species you have with these sequences. Because nearly all, most major species are now sequenced and in, in that database. And so they searched it 
when it didn't turn out to be the right size and it came back unknown. So she sends me this email. Have you discovered a new species? We blasted this and we got no results. Of course, that was just kind of icing on the cake because we knew that they, we had something that was not supposed to be. And um, it kind of went from there. Uh, we ended up getting some generous funding from an enthusiast and ended up testing a hundred and something samples. Some of them very thoroughly, the ones with less DNA, we just kind of made sure they were the same thing as far as the human motto and what have you. But we did quite a big sampling, uh, around about 30 samples with extensive testing. And that testing, you know, did prove that it was unusual. And the other thing about it was the hair shafts do not give DNA, and that just doesn't happen. Um, mammalian hair, you can get mitochondrial DNA out of a hair shaft. You cannot with these creatures. You cannot under any circumstances get it. We spent three months troubleshooting using two different labs, one with an automated system and one with a manual system, and neither one could get DNA, so that left us with the choice of is there a, prohi a prohibitive agent in this hair that's keeping it from amplifying in a PCR reaction so we could sequence it? Or, you know, why or is there no DNA at all? And we did put it on a spectrophotometer, which will measure quantity of DNA, and there was no DNA. So for whatever reason, unknown reason, we don't get any mitochondrial DNA from the hair shafts of these hominids. And what's interesting also about that is that they've got a big fat medulla. They've got every structure that a normal mammalian hair has, but you still can't get the DNA out of it. Somebody says, oh, it's clear hair. Or it doesn't have a medulla. That's not true. It does have a medulla. Perfectly normal looking hair. I mean, it, its morphology is a little different, obviously, because that's part of the paper, but it definitely does not give mitochondrial DNA, and that was huge, and that also kind of helped corroborate our data whenever a psych study came out, and the seven samples that were from my study that were in that, unknown to him, in that paper, they did not test, and they only used hair shafts to test the samples. So it proved by them not running that not only did we, our theory was right, and we had proven it, but also that the samples were real because they didn't run and they should have. Because they're big fat hairs. It's not like it's, you know, like a newborn baby may have a hair that's so so tiny and, and thin that it doesn't have enough mitochondrial DNA in it to get it. But these are big horse-sized hairs. So anyway, it was very interesting. So that's what kicked it off. That's what got, got started. And we ended up doing the project. Wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy um so what is your i mean when you got into this you mentioned a minute ago that you you didn't necessarily even understand it or believe it or i mean i know no, i absolutely did not believe in bigfoot i thought anybody that did was nuts <laughs> i was yeah. a typical skeptic you know i was like you know maybe there's a yeti somewhere maybe up in the himalayas because that's pretty wild up there but not North America, no, there's nothing like that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I even made fun of one of my friends that saw one, and I'm so embarrassed after the fact. 
I mean, I didn't really actually make fun, but I kind of teased her about it and asked her what she'd been smoking, even though she was not a drug user. It was just, you know, a joke. And she didn't find it funny at all. She was so scared she was crying. Wow. So I know that you come from a Christian background, too. So how yeah. does that fit in, in all of that kind of space? Um, when I'm doing science, I do a science. I don't think about belief systems or anything else. It was after the fact when I've got the mothers as being human that as a Christian, I couldn't help but connect the dots um, because in Genesis um, chapter 6, it talks about how the angels came down, the watcher angels, and had relations with human women, chose them as wives. And it said, you know, that what was born was giants, men of old, men of renown, and that they are even here today. And these things are giant. They're huge. They're, you know, eight to 12 feet tall. There's some reports of bigger um, ones I've seen locally are 10 feet and eight feet, respectively, thereabouts, except for the babies. And um, wait, you said you, wh what you've seen? Is that what you just said? Yes, I have seen them. You've seen them? Yes. Um, whenever I started doing the project and word got out in the quote, Bigfoot community. Um, I started getting a bunch of people there. They're, they term them habituators, but they're people that actually interact with them. And they kept wanting me to go see them, go see them, go see them. I finally relented and did. And they were able, I saw five the first night I'd ever been around them. Wow. So it's pretty interesting. Um, they're sentient beings. Um, I mean, there's, there's a group where I live and, um, you know, after I met those others, suddenly I started getting things here at my house that were like feathers in the truck seat and what have you. Interesting. And I live behind locked gates. It's not like anybody's down here but me. And um, and pretty soon I was seeing them. They've done all kinds of things, but that's beside the point. The science is what, what I'm here for and, you know, what we're talking about. But um, as a Christian, um I connected the dots as far as, as that they seem to be, they fit the, one of the theories and the one that I, I choose to believe being a Christian is that they are uh, either a Nephilim or um, an Eliod, uh, which is the offspring of Nephilim and human women. Um, it fits. There's nothing that really doesn't fit about it. You can read all about it in the apocryphal book of Enoch. Um, a lot of them are supposed to be bad. And there are bad ones, but there's also good ones. And uh, I've had reason to believe that I won't go into um, about the differences in them. And so, yes, that's the theory I support. Others say that uh, aliens make them. Well, I can sort of buy that, too, in a little different way. Um, because there's a there's a lot of conspiracy theory out there right now about these underground um, bases, and three of them are allegedly where they're making human hybrids, and in which case they could feasibly make these creatures. But historically, the creatures have been around for you know thousands of years. Uh, we even address that in the paper shortly at the very beginning. 
There's a coin with um, a hairy man on it. Um, it's like, I believe it was 600 uh, BC. And then there's, of course, the old Sumerian stories about Inky, which is supposedly a, a wild man. So, you know, back then, obviously, humans did not have um, the technology to do any genetic engineering, whereas, um, you know, star people, as they call them, or aliens did, do, whatever. And uh, so, you know, I really think there might be two different classes. Um, those that are more biblical in origin and those that are, you know, currently possibly being genetically engineered. Either way, the DNA shows genetic engineering. There's no doubt they can't. They reproduce and, and hybrids don't normally reproduce like mules or ligers or whatever. They just don't have children. <laughs> These have children. I've seen them. And so that's a little bit different. Um, so they're well done. But in the paper, we can prove hybridization because we did um, actually electron microscopy of the samples. And what it showed was what we call single-stranded gaps. Now, DNA is, is like a double helix. I think most people have heard that. And to visualize it, you just think of a ladder with rungs. Each rung is a, a base, a nucleic acid base, and makes up DNA. Anyway, or, or they're attached to the rung. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then you take that ladder and you twist it, and that's basically a double helix. But it's just a twisted two-line piece of DNA. And in in the electron microscopy, there would be these long sections where it was only one strand. It's like the ladder was clipped in half in the middle. And that doesn't naturally occur. It can occur when a sample is very degraded, but we have visual proof on in the paper that the samples were not degraded. And not only that, even the person that did the testing informed us that you know, yeah, that can be if it's degraded, but these are nice, long, healthy fragments of DNA. So would you send us another sample? So I did, and it repeated. Um, it came out every time that there would be long sections of DNA that didn't align with anything, and that means it was kind of spliced together because it means that it did not fit with the other strand of whatever they were using. So you can physically see the hybridization with the electron microscopy, you know, as well as noted, noted by the fact that the mitochondrial DNA is human and the nuclear DNA has, you know, more than one thing in it. <laughs> it's got unknown, it's got human, a few other little voice things thrown in. And I really haven't come out with that much yet, but I've got a pie chart that shows it all. And that we didn't do that till after the paper published because it took a while to get all that done. That's the, this is really fascinating. Um, so many things are going through my head. Um, I mean, so much. I mean, you know, things like you know, I've never even thought about are some of these being engineered, and, and I've never even I've never actually heard of anybody with a negative experience of them, other than if, if somebody went out, kind of in a threatening way, they will defend themselves. That's the only thing I've ever heard. Um, for those that aren't aware, I mean, we tend to demonize everything in Christianity. Um, so what, in your understanding, what, what are the Nephilim? What, what, what are they sort of genetically? I actually have a really weird theory that most, <laughs> some Christians are going to be offended. Oh, by the way, for what it's worth, the Catholic website is 
the very next day after the paper, they slammed the paper. And the paper had nothing to do with religion whatsoever. Zero. And they slammed the paper. That kind of was interesting, I thought. That's sketchy. Why would they do that? Hmm. Yeah, maybe to close to home or something. But they did. They, Man, they went after it. And so I thought that was really strange. But, um, no, as far as, as um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. Um, Just asking what are the Netflix, like in your oh, own Yeah, screen. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I wonder, and this is just a theory because nobody really can know, if there's not two sets of Nephilim. Uh, in Genesis, it talks about the original Nephilim, which were giants. And I wonder if they maybe weren't all that bad because men of renown more means like more of a hero, but other translations will say, you know, no, they were bad. Um, but they, they were buried with their shields and their swords. And in Ezekiel, there's one translation of the Bible um, that talks about, you know, where all of these different in Sheol, which was the place of the dead. Uh, I'm not, necessarily saying it was hell because there was no jesus to get anybody out of there so it's kind of like a holding place until jesus came um so then there were different places according to the bible in ezekiel it talks about it and it talks about different races and how they had a special each one had a specific place in sheol and like the egyptians had a specific place because they terrorized man it said well, at one point it comes up and it talks about the men of old, the men of renown, and they had a different place. But they were the only ones in that whole chapter that said anything about terrorizing the mighty. Now, what I kind of thought might be from that, and I'm no theologian, so please don't take this as gospel. But it was interesting in the fact that they did do um, that they were terrorizing the mighty, which makes me think they might have been standing up for men. And why they had their swords in there were great warriors was because the bad ones were after the people. Mm. You know, they were eating people, among other things, if you read Enoch. And the other interesting thing is that if you remember correctly, in the Garden of Eden and everything, there was the tree and the snake, and the snake was the devil, and that means he was already on earth. And with him came a third of the angels. And I can't help but wonder if they weren't making the Nephilim at a various date after the original Watcher Angels were chained and not offered forgiveness. Just a thought. If there's two brands of Nephilim, good and bad, this would be the explanation potentially. And like I say, it's just a theory. I'm no theologian, so hey, <laughs> don't, don't take it as gospel at all. It's just a little raw theory I have. No, that, that we, we like to theorize. There's nothing wrong with theorizing at all. I mean, you know, that's what this is about exploring thought patterns. And like I said, we do, we, we have in the past tend to like, you know, we think Nephilim, we think demonic, we think evil, but maybe you, you're really onto something there that, you know, this, this, I mean, to look at David's mighty men, for example, in the Bible, um, you know, they were of Nephilim genetics, but they came to David and actually became his mighty men. Mm -hmm. um, so there is, kind of hope redemption there for them and another thing that just came to mind as well is it was um oh esau esau was a hairy man and i've always wondered i've always wondered is but if they descended from 
Esau's line, it would have had to go strictly from the female side. Mm. So, because the mitochondrial DNA is female human. Uh, I don't personally believe that Esau is the answer. I know that in the Mormon faith, allegedly, I believe it was Smith who um, had one run beside him and said he was Esau or a descendant of Esau. But, you know, I just, I don't get that at all. Um, I know I've talked to habituators that claim that there are good ones and bad ones. And I don't know there are. I mean, there's enough reports out there. Um, But, you know, they actually, some of them allegedly embrace Christianity. And there was an interesting statement made to one of the habituators who has really good knowledge that I've not been able to disprove at any point that um, some of the better clans are Christian. Um, the the good ones are Christian, a lot of them. And he asked them, um, you know, if they believed in Jesus, they said, yes, but we don't have to believe by you like you. And this was all by mind speak. And he said, how's that? And he says, well, we, we don't have to believe by faith. We can go where he is. And there's a lot of reports out there that they're interdimensional beings. And if that's true, that potentially could happen. But um, they very definitely um, are moral creatures. The good ones at least are for sure. Um, it, there was an example where a young couple went out in the woods and weren't married and had a little party out there. And uh, Bigfoot's mind spoke and said, we're leaving. We don't like fornicators in our forests. <laughs> so it was it was interesting i mean all of this is interesting and you know each person has to have their own beliefs and their own faith i'm not trying to push anything down their throats i mean i've had too many supernatural things happen in my life outside of science outside of bigfoot outside of any of this that i cannot ha- i i can't not have faith but um you know, it it does fit whether we like it or not. There's there's a certain fit there, and I think the only two viable theories at all, and I actually think both of them have credibility, is the Nephilim theory and the alien theory, which is a whole other subject that I'll not go into. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I like the fact. In fact, this is what really probably helped goaded me helped goad me into this project is because I, I didn't really care anything about it um and one was my curiosity and the second thing was when i realized it wow this is the only thing i've ever heard of that actually matches the bible in something and to be able to potentially prove part of the bible was really attractive to me mm. so you know it was you know I, i've face some criticism for it i don't care i gotta ask on coast to coast um you know how can you be a scientist and a christian i said well god made science he did yeah, and we're the one, we're the one, i'm yeah. sorry god's the biggest scientist <laughs> exactly and we're the ones playing catch up yeah. we're the ones playing catch up big time so um so your background though have you all you've always worked with animals and then the second part of that is what has this done to your i mean career or 
you know, <laughs> obscure and hiding. Um, I had heard from Dr. Alvin that, the, that someone took your license. I don't know if that's true. No, they, they pro the government has not been happy with this. They do not want this out there at all. Hmm. And they have threatened people around me very bad. They had an agent posted outside our lab at one point while we were doing testing and didn't leave until we went out there and tried to talk to him. Then he took off like a scalded cat. Um, he just a saying he took off like a scalded cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he gunned it and spun out to get out of there. Um, I mean, it was in a small town. So everybody knows when there's something different there. Different cars, different people. And this guy was not local, not even close. And neither was the car. So um, anyway, um, that made, that has made a huge impression. I mean, they've cornered people in bathrooms and everything else to scare them and say, don't ever speak to her again because we don't want this out. DNA doesn't lie. And we can't twist it, so you need to stop what you're doing. And so I'm pretty careful about things as far as I know what I'm up against. Um, <laughs> you know, if anything happens to me, obviously everybody needs to know that I do not kill myself. I don't believe in that. <laughs> you know, I'm in a hurry to meet Jesus, but not in that kind of hurry. <laughs> But it did but, destroy my career, and they did trump up some stuff saying that my lab wasn't accredited. We were attempting to get accredited, but it was we were already doing had already done the project or were doing it, and we were facing trouble getting because we did a lot of animal forensics. We were facing trouble getting um, the proficiency tests we need. We did it. We did human proficiency tests and passed every time, but. The only people that were given animal proficiency tests was the fish and wildlife lab. And we had requested it over and over and they wouldn't send it to us. Oh, they sent it to other state and federal ones. Yeah. And they all got accredited, but they wouldn't send it to our lab because it was private, even though we were, you know, on the paper that was talking about improving how veterinary labs, uh, genetics labs, you know, did forensics that they needed to do a better job, which, I mean, I was all for that. In fact, I, I think I birthed the idea because on a case, I went to another lab that was doing the testing and it was totally possible to contaminate the way they were doing it. So with all of that said, they've trumped up some stuff uh, basically saying that, oh, I wasn't accredited when I did a murder case and state of Texas required a credit. Well, nobody ever let me know that the state of Texas had voted this for one thing. Two, I didn't realize it referred to animal cases, but we were working on it as hard as we could try to, considering the, the backlash. Um, but, um, and the other thing they said that, uh, and this was just good research, uh, at the time somebody had posted a database for dog DNA on mitochondrial DNA. And we had done enough dogs by this point that we knew that breeds have everything to do with their mitochondrial DNA sequence. And we realized that like where we were, we had a majority of pit bulls. So most of the, a lot of the mitochondrial DNA would be pit bull DNA. If we were on the outskirts of Houston in the, you know, mega um, rich areas, 
you're going to have the little foo-foo dogs. You're not going to have so many pit bulls. And so the database that was published was not one to be used for, say, a Houston homicide because these were all dogs from California. And so I recommended that to the prosecutor of this case that they needed to send us enough samples, a minimal number, but we needed to do a little database. Otherwise, we couldn't legally, I felt, do statistics. And um, he wouldn't do it, even though we gave him a really good price to do it. So when I was in court, they asked me why. And I told them why. I said, you know, you need a local database to, to get accurate statistics on dog mitochondrial DNA. And we had proven this. And because uh, we already had a couple of little databases of our own. We just didn't publish them. We just used them in our cases. But I couldn't use it after I figured out this, this truth about it. So I explained why I didn't give the statistics to when I was cross-examined. And then I turned around and, and did another. They asked me, well, did the sequences match? I said, absolutely. I just answered the question. Well, they dinged me because of the fact that I didn't say, but you shouldn't even consider our results because it's we don't have statistics. Well, you know, that's not for me to say. You just answer the question. And I answered the question truthfully. Wasn't meant to mislead anybody. So they trumped all this up. And it's kind of funny because one of the main people was an ex-director of the FBI lab, and which is federal, which wouldn't, who also is on a paper and wouldn't even look at our paper as far as publication. Wouldn't even wouldn't even look at it. I mean, it's back to the government interference, and that's what this is about. And it, I said, well, what is going to happen since they're, you know, dinging me on this? And he said, oh, nothing. Said it won't even be out there. It'll just be if somebody calls the, our little commission here and asks ask if uh, there's been anything against you if you're still doing that. Well, I wasn't doing it anyway. So, but next thing I know, it's of course all over the internet in big letters which they had to do because it wasn't like they operate some big thing that shows every time somebody's been deemed. So it was really a very much a put up job by the government. And um, there, by the way, I need to go back and say one thing. There was not a single animal forensic lab short of wildlife labs only that was accredited to do animal forensic testing. And that, and that's usually a case where the, you do human and animal, like the suspect leaves a dog here at a murder scene or something. We did a lot of that. So, so your anyway. So your actual job or career at that time was a forensics expert or something? Is that yes. Yeah, I mean, I started out as a veterinarian, and in 85, I got allergic to my patients. I oh, Half really? my practice was cattle, and if I got blood or amniotic fluid or anything else on my skin... I'd get hives and feel sick for three days. So I had to stop doing that with half my practice. I said, man, I really need to find something else to do, but I really didn't want to move. And so I did pray about it. And approximately a year later, uh, the genetics part just fell in my lap. And so I went back as a visiting scientist at University of Kentucky and, and learned the trade and implemented it. And the lab was born and grew and prospered and, um, you know, we did well with it. I ended up being elected international chair of, you know, three different International Society for Animal Genetics uh, 
committees, which was elected by my peers worldwide. So, you know, I wasn't chopped liver. It wasn't small. It was big. And we did a lot of, of genetic testing as well as uh, we did, you know, the forensics because that was a needed thing. Um, so, you know, and we did a lot. We did death penalty cases. We did innocence project cases. Um, you know, I helped with analysis of the World Trade Center victim. That was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I mean, it's like I, I've, I've been on the top of my game. Um, I lost everything because of Bigfoot because I could no longer even do forensics because of all the slander and libel that's out there about me because between the government and the jealous Bigfoot people that wanted to be, quote, first. I'm not even first, by the way. But um, those that wanted to be first and those that are the government have... they. They yell contamination. I've got proof there's no contamination. I even explained it and showed some of it uh, on a YouTube video that I have up on my channel, Dr. Melba Ketchum. And so there's no contamination, but that's the only thing they're trying to say about the paper. But they went after me personally and make me sound like I'm a, you know, demonic nearly. Yeah. They even had a report out that I was raped by a Bigfoot. How ludicrous. And I mean, you know, so they've gone to no length. I mean, they've, they pulled out all the stops. So I retired. <laughs> and actually, it's a good thing because I've been able to write books and do things I want to do and, uh, you know, spend time with my animals. And if you hear any little babies in the background, it's my puppies. <laughs> and I kept looking at my dog going, is that my dog doing that? And she's just laying there sleeping. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like hearing this. I know I'm hearing this, but okay. I apologize for the. For the noise. Oh, okay. In fact, you made me laugh before when uh, the, the cat behind Shano's head just poked his little head around before you didn't notice, but there he is. <laughs> we always have animals in the show, that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I was just going to ask actually, um, other than Bigfoot, uh, Dr. Melba, is there anything else weird and wonderful that you've tested and confirmed? Uh, I've tested a bunch of chupacabra, but they have always been mangy coyotes. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It probably does, but yeah. we definitely so have not had a real sample there yet. But I mean, I, this has taught me something. It's taught me to never say never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've also determined the older the get up, over I, older I get, the less I know because there's so much more to learn that yeah. never dreamed was out there. I mean, but to be honest. If I could go back and undo all of it and never do this, I would have gladly done that because mm -hmm. it, it really did affect my life. And it it's made me into more of a recluse because I'm careful everywhere I go now. And mm -hmm. I mean, there were even people that came and posted pictures of my gate and everything else going to my house. So, yeah. That, um, was one thing that struck me with, with your story before was how... Um, you know, you may you, you've been to see sort of the big four, and they, they've kind of stuck with you. Do you not think they're trying to help you um, to do this work? That it's actually really, really important work. That you know, we've had people on the show who've had you know they've got recorded communications with with big four. I've got the sign. I do. I just don't put it out there because my trust is scientists. Is you know the science not. I mean, this is a way off interview for me because I, I have never talked about this that openly. 
Well, we're into all sorts of stuff completely. We're, we're fully on board. And I'm just thinking that I think maybe that, you know, there is a community here who, who will be listening to this, who are, will really, really support you and cover you. And, um, you know, well, I can always use prayers and I can. And right now we can use some financial donations on our cryptid genome project on GoFundMe because I've got some giant samples, some elongated skull samples. I've got dogman samples that are half done already. Right. And I want to finish dog this. Dogman, you said? Yeah, dogman. Oh, that's something interesting you'd like to know. Yeah, tell us about dogman. <laughs> um, we've had a little, a little close call with that here, and that story is also on my YouTube channel. Uh, I kind of did it as a Halloween thing because I thought I'd get laughed at. <laughs> but it's a true story. Everything in there is true. So if anybody wants to listen to it, they can go listen to it on my YouTube channel. But um, actually, my farm worker did see one standing upright in the middle of the road coming to work. And he was ex-military yeah. and not scared of anything. And he was shook to his core by the time he made it down the road. And kind uh, of aggression. So it's like dog body, man head or dog there are head? Different kinds. Body. Some of them have kind of human bodies with a dog head. Think Anubis. Um, the god of the underworld back in mythology actually i don't i don't believe in mythology anymore i believe it's from seeing these cryptids and nephilim have supernatural capabilities and i believe they're seeing these and they're seeing these supernatural capabilities and i believe show mankind a little supernatural and he will run after it and worship it and even they're doing some people are doing that today with the bigfoots in that you know, that the search gets so critical in their mind that they it's more important than their spouses and it's more important uh, than God. It's, they're just driven to this. And that's a form of worship, in my opinion. Yeah. And I've always yeah. tried to keep myself balanced in that way, even though I, there's been interest. And I've been out in the woods a lot. I, I really don't even go anymore. They come to me. So I don't worry about it. That's it. Exactly. The fact is they've come to you. So if they're, they're following you, I think. You know, they're probably trying to make contact with you and help you in your work. Oh, we've had contact. I mean, that's that's old hat. <laughs> we've had plenty of contact. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, yeah. But, I mean, I have kind of cut off, um, you know, dealing with them that much. Um, and But they're still around. And, you know, I love them. They're just sweet as they can be. But um, it, it can't rule my life. That's understandable. And I was at a conference last year and it was like a, an awakening conference. It was all about extraterrestrial stuff. It was really good. Um, but that's something that struck me uh, with the people there. There's this kind of idolizing extraterrestrials. And, uh, you know, and, it's a and that's why I think that those things in the mythology are actually, I mean, because, you know, like Pan's a goat man. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. And there's one about 10 miles from here that people that are respectable people have seen. And you know, but if they can like vanish into the air in front of you, mm -hmm. then they're going to go after it and worship it. And I think that's where all the mythology came from. I think there's actually some basis in fact there. Oh, and, absolutely agree. Yeah, completely. And, um, you know, so, I mean, there's a, there's so much to this. And uh, like I say, I'm not going to go into to the alien thing, but I have my own theories there, too. Mm -hmm. what about I I'm you sorry. <laughs> Well, I have a question. Why do they all run when somebody pleads the blood of Jesus Christ? I know a person that's a really good friend and a very honest person that did this, and they literally ran from him. So 
And there's a lot of reports like that out there. You can Google it. Now, if they were just people from another planet, would they even know who Jesus is? And why would they run from him if they did even know who he is? Unless there's something not good there. So just my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think like anything, like there's some benevolent humans, negative, uh, you know, malevolent humans. Um, I think, yeah, of course, there's, there's, there's both polarities in other species. Absolutely. If they're making these human hybrids, if they're if, and that would account for them being all through the ages, uh, if they're doing this, then um, is that a good thing? I don't think so, since they tend to present as evil. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's been numerous conspiracies around, um, oh, what's that um, facility, like an island off, off the States, I can't remember where it is now, where they said to be, there was like a washed up, bizarre well, creature. Well, what about Montauk? Um, it, could, it could be something to do with that. According to this one conspiracy theorist guy, he's gone through and named all the underground bases and what they were doing, and three of them were actually to make human hybrids, allegedly. Right. I, I totally believe they're doing that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, we even have the technology now to hybridize uh, in real world as far as genetics. There's CRISPR and you can insert, you know, sequences that way and what have you. So you can come up with a hybridized pig with the hopes of getting a human heart out of it Yeah. and what have you. So, um, I mean, I can see that would be a very good thing, but like cloning, I'm sure it's being misused also. Because somebody always wants to make a super soldier. I mean, that goes back to Russia, you know, World War II-ish. Uh, they were trying to make ape-human hybrids by inseminating women with ape semen. So, you know, there's there's all of these things. That's why I never say never anymore. I'm just like, okay, if I don't believe it, I put it on a shelf and wait to be shown <laughs> if yeah. it's true or not. Um, I've just realized it's Pl Plum Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, uh yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I don't really know a lot about it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about it, but that's what I was thinking of. Are where... you sure you want to know very much about it? Mm. <laughs> There's the question. Say that again, sorry. I said, are you sure you really want to know very much about it? Curiosity gets the better of me. It does. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to watch my curiosity, too. It's a dangerous <laughs> thing. You know what curiosity did to the cat, don't you? Well, thankfully we're human, I think. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that I mean, it's all fascinating stuff. But uh, you know, honestly, something I'm getting just talking to you is I think you've got actually extremely uh, important work to do in this area. I really do think that, and um, you know, they can make all the threats that they want. But I mean, you're you're a believer. You believe in God, and that you know, if you are on a divine mission here, you you are protected. Um, and um, I really think that. The work that, that needs to be done in because you can bring into the mainstream the reality of the, these creatures because I think we are going to be making contact with them. I think a lot of the reason why they don't show themselves openly because, like you said, humans will either want to kill them or worship them um, in the in the state that we've been in. Well, in the same theme of talking with the habituator, uh, allegedly they have quote a treaty with God where they're not to come out to us, well, and there's what? some other things to it also. Um, a treaty what? I'm sorry. A treaty with God not to come out to us. That's the good ones we're talking about there. That um, In the same conversation where he was asking about their faith, um, they, you know, I wanted to know. And I said, ask them if um, 
you know, why they can't just come out and talk to us. And he said, because they said they had a treaty with God. And I actually got some confirmation on that, which was pretty interesting that I won't go into. But um, like I say, it's, it's been a real interesting ride with this. Uh, I do believe it's all spiritually related in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And you can look back, like I say, uh, oh, I, was, I, I digress from one thing I wanted to say. There's actually a, a paper written by a monk hundreds of years ago that somebody reads on YouTube about the dog men, how they had cities and, you know, all the different things about them that they couldn't talk, but they spoke in growls and barks. And, you know, apparently they wore clothing back then and what have you. And it seems that Marco Polo and his papers also found another city in India of these dogmen. So, which is what Anumis is, basically, which is in mythology. Yeah, yeah. So, all of these things, um, the monk's report was almost scientific the way he wrote it. It was very just matter of fact, like everybody knew it. And so I encourage anybody that's curious about that. Plus, there's the story of St. Christopher that's believed not by the Catholic Church, but by all the Orthodox Christian faith, uh, that he was a dog man until he carried Christ across the swollen river because he was a giant. Now, the Catholics will still admit he was a giant, but they don't say anything about the dog man thing. Well, what the Orthodox believe happened is that he was granted salvation and his head was changed to look human after he assisted Jesus. And you can, it's easy to find, just Google it. And you can look in, in art from the Middle Ages and what have you, and it has tapestries and pictures and everything else of St. Christopher with a dog's head. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, there's all kinds of interesting stuff out there. Yeah. that um, is more spiritual in origin. I mean, it doesn't affect the science, obviously, and I don't let it affect the science. But my personal beliefs are my own. And I, I choose to ponder on this a lot. And, um, you know, anybody who is a Christian, you know, they can go read and look and ponder it too. <laughs> but I'm not trying to convince anybody they have to be. Every belief... Every belief system is their own, and they are on their own journey. And this interview is basically for Christians. And but if anybody else wants to listen, that's fine too. <laughs> um, and they, you know, it doesn't offend me if somebody gets upset because I have these beliefs, and I have been criticized for having these beliefs. But that's okay, you know. I mean, I've been criticized for even doing a scientific paper so hey i'm used to it i think when you go beyond the controlled narrative in any way shape or form you're gonna face criticism um, oh absolutely absolutely there's no doubt about it yeah. i mean look at look at galileo and and others that suffered horribly in tesla yeah. because of the fact that they were visionaries now i'm not claiming to be one i'm just a person but you know, I, and I had a job to do and I did it. It's not like I'm special, but, um, you know, bad things happen to people that make discoveries. That's in history. Galileo and others. Many of them. It was so important, wasn't it? I mean, it revolutionized human evolution or, you know, our, certainly our, our consciousness, our awareness. Um, this, this is kind of what I'm thinking about you. I think what you what you could potentially do with this 
uh, work that you're doing is could, could revolutionize the scientific community to be more accepted. Oh, the scientific community are mostly atheists, mostly. And they're not, I lost almost all of my so called friends in science when I did this. Mm. And this was regardless of any, um, any of my belief system. Mm-hmm. But I you generally just, uh, I've been persecuted for it in the scientific community. But that's okay. I mean, I mean, there are other other scientists that are Christian. Don't say I'm not saying there's none, yeah. but I'm saying especially in genetics, especially in evolutionary genetics, you know, um, there definitely is a, a lack of Christianity. Yeah, I mean, just look at Graham Hancock. I mean, he's come out with his recent theories, and the scientific community are trying to cancel him, silence him. Um, it's it's kind of unfortunately the human condition that when you um, bring information that breaks the, the let's face it the atheists have a belief system these scientists have a belief system yes uh, science is their religion quote. disagrees with their belief system they want to throw it out just like anybody else you know what we need to do is hard you know sort of in ourselves hold our beliefs loosely um and follow follow the evidence follow follow the science <laughs> well look and what is science because if you think about paperclip yeah. and all of that and then maybe their kids and that generation then there's also a very tight narrative of what is it's a controlled science of what quick science is versus what i would consider actual data and and real life science because we all know in the last three years with the thing that's been talked about i'm not going to say it because of the i lost my whole channel over that of even like health and the things that people were choosing to get or not and what that science was we know that that wasn't even science at all so what, yeah you know, we're I agree about with you totally and i know what you're talking about and i'm in total agreement with you yes. i had I, my medical degree and my genetics portion of me i knew better yeah i knew better so i was lucky in that way at least i was informed science and then there's science and i'm not going to name any names but yeah yes exactly i mean it's like everything now there's corruption everywhere be it scientific community and and not all scientists are corrupt but there is there are those Mm -hmm. or government or whatever you know the world is in a teetering horrible situation at this time and but i don't fear it because i know god's in control of everything and You know, it'll all work out how it's supposed to. It will. And so I don't worry about it. But, you know, it, it's still, if, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be worrying about it really bad. <laughs> That's a fair point. I mean, we talk a lot on this channel about, you know, things that are happening now is actually the breaking of these control structures. And, and this is going to happen in the scientific community as well. And, and like you say, sort of these discoveries of the science of the supernatural, the science of the spirit world is going to come out. But it's a very, very controlled narrative. Um, and it's going to need scientists like yourself and Dr. Charnel, people who are willing to explore these kind of really out there topics from a scientific perspective. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> the kids are wanting to play. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, tell us, give us any final words and where people can find you, where people can help support your next project. Um, you said you mentioned a GoFund. We're going to put all the links in here, but verbally, um, let us know where people can find you. 
Okay, well, the GoFundMe is Cryptid Genome Project. And uh, we've met our goal, but it, I put a very minimal goal, and we can do a lot more testing the more that we receive. Um, fortunately, testing has gone down greatly since the original um, project. Um, and I'm on Facebook, Melba Ketchum and Dr. Melba Ketchum. And it's my public page. And then I'm on Twitter. It's Dr. Mel Ketchum. So I'm around. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got links also to the GoFundMe on my Facebook. So Great. Great. And what about you, Craig? Where can people find you? Oh, um, well, yeah. I'm on Facebook, Craig Martin Walker. Uh, in a band, End Ascension. Check us out, End Ascension Music. Uh, on Facebook, anthocentralmusic.com. Uh, I have a meditation music channel, which the link is in the bio if people want to take a look at that. And every subscribe is, I receive gratefully. Uh, yeah, I love to connect with people, so just be in touch. Awesome. And you guys can find me at swiftfire.org. Definitely get on and, um, and drsharnell.com. Definitely hit up the link here and make sure you're getting notifications. Um, we love you guys so much and really appreciate all your support. And thank you, Dr. Melva, for giving us some time today. Yeah. I know thank you. this is kind of tricky with everything and the tech and all that, but we did it. Yay. <laughs> I just hope people enjoy it. And, you know, we'll okay. see. All right. Uh, Y'all take right. care. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank, thank you. you. Bless you. Bless you too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. -bye. Bye.